I'd rather hear him sing that than anybody. <laughs> Just my opinion, but probably one of these days when we all get up there, we all go to singing and worshiping and just thanking him for all of his goodness. Oh, Brother Tim will be called up there, that great heavenly choir. You imagine the saints of God as we gather and we've come through all the difficulties of life and all the things that we faced. We just go to worshiping and praising and the songs and the adoration and what's going to take place. It's going to be absolutely marvelous. I wish we could leave now. Don't you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. So love you today. Let's turn to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know what's made this possible for us all to stand here today, to be able to serve the Lord and have a desire to live for Him is because that He changed us from what we were. We were born in such a horrible, terrible state, seemingly impossible to ever get us to where we are today. But by His desire to accomplish that in us and him being willing to lay aside and step aside from his glory there's no way that we can imagine we can see how it is whenever we are younger and we go to losing things about us whether it's your sight or your teeth or your hair or whatever it is your vitality your strength and you look back at pictures of yourself and you think wow whenever I was Whatever it was, I was so much stronger. I was this or that. And it makes us feel sad. And there's no way we can comprehend what he was compared to what he had to become to change you from what you were to what he wanted you to become. That's the way we can become what he wants us to be. Because he was willing to empty himself out. I love him so much, don't you? For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Not a church membership now or a preacher, but his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. This is why, friends, it cannot fail. It cannot change. It cannot be altered. He knew better than to purpose it in me. He knew better than to purpose it in us. We're too weak. We cannot fulfill such a thing. So he purposed it in that which was eternal. And nothing could be any greater than him. You see, the church existed in the mind of God before she was ever created in time. Which gives, hope you don't mind me saying this, an immutability to the seed of God inside of us. It can no more fail then God himself can fail. In verse 11, he goes on to say, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose 
of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I don't mean you understand it. I don't mean I understand it. 2 Timothy 1.9 Who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Notice how the order of that is. Purpose and grace. Purpose and grace. So purpose preceded grace. In the mind of God, purpose preceded grace. So when grace is finished, don't misunderstand me. One day, there will be no need of grace. There'll be no need of the blood. There'll be no need of intercessors. No need of a high priest. Purpose prevailed and grace helped bring the prevailing. According to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus, not the night you and I got saved, but before the world began. <laughs> we can dismiss and say it was good to be in church today. It just baffles me that folks struggle with such things. I'm grateful I can see it. Can we pray together? How many like to be remembered today as we pray? God bless you. Father, it's been so good so far just to be here, to sing, to sense your presence. Lord, to be able to hear prayer requests that are made and even though serious and very critical. But we believe that by hearing, <coughs> hearing such, with faith, we can know that our God is bigger, greater, supersedes any disease, any sickness, any affliction Satan would ever put on your children. We don't always understand it, Father. We see one another as we suffer and we go through things. And as humans, we would take it off of one another. But how many times we, we would mess up because you see something greater that you have in mind that you're going to do with it. Help us, I pray, Father. All these needs and requests. Lord, this prayer calls I'm going to preach with today for Sister Janet Lehman. You see her need, Father, and her request. We're praying, Lord, that you just move for our sister. Help me that I can get out of the way today, Father. Would you speak through these human lips words of divine inspiration that will help your children? May we leave this place and say, it was good for us to be together. Granted, I pray, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. <clears throat> How many thanks God today for his divine purpose? I believe every child of God has a purpose in the immutable counsel of Almighty God, which can never be changed. It can never alter. Now, let me remind you again <clears throat> that there are things, no doubt, that I think, and maybe sometimes you think, are in the counsel of God that more than likely are not. 
we will see things as they start to come to pass and we say, well, this truly must be the will of God and this must be what God wants for this certain, certain thing. And then something will happen along the journey and it will totally demolish or annihilate that thing that we thought was the will of God to come to pass. And yet it turned out that it didn't. And then we look and think, how could that be? How could that be in the eternal purpose of God and anything in time or anything in human beings ever cause that thing to stop? I'm sure there's things that God knew would be. Now we know according to his word, it's not his will that any should perish, his will. But you see that word that Paul used in designating the will of God is not the same thing as divine purpose. If father would have purposed, there would have been none lost, then guess what? There would have been none lost. But when you look at the way that he divides this about himself, that he can purpose things within himself and attribute part of that immutability, which he's the only thing that can be immutable, which is unchanging or cannot be altered, then if he contributes part of that immutability to this portion or this part of the purpose, there is absolutely nothing or no one that can ever change that purpose. Now, does he wish, hope, desire, will, as the scripture said, that none should perish? That's right. It's not that he willed that they would, but he puts before them the opportunity, not speaking about the elect now, but the opportunity where they can be saved. But was it his purpose as the scriptures that we just read that no one would be lost. No one would be lost. I'm sure there's things in our lives that we have just felt like, oh, I I felt led to do this and I felt led to do that and I felt led to do something else. And for a season, it seems like it runs well and it goes well, but then the bottom falls out of it. Something horrific happens about the situation and it seems like it changes and turns and there's nothing you can do to make it proceed any farther. And then we try to take these situations and run it through these scriptures and think, but now wait a minute, how could this have been the purpose of God and then it totally just collapse and fall apart? If something is in his purpose, nothing nothing will stop it. Now, let me reiterate it to you again from last Sunday that whenever God purposes for our life to serve him, there is nothing that will stop it. God brought us on the earth. Satan at his will cannot take us from this earth. Our lives do not belong to the devil. Can anybody say amen to that? Our lives are not our own, but our lives belong to God. So Satan cannot at his will and pleasure take us until the purpose of God 
is finished. Not halfway done, not a third done. Well, I got 98%. That ain't good enough. It will be completed. Praise the Lord. Now, again, there's things about our lives that we will look at and try to sort through. Well, was this the will of God? Was that the will of God? If it failed, there's something about it that was not in the divine purpose because God will not be defeated. How could he be God? How could we believe he could be God and believe anything he would ever determine as his heart purpose Something that he determined himself would happen. And something in time or something in the demonic world or something about a frailty of humanity would be able to override that divine sovereign purpose. I'll tell you one thing, we're serving a mighty weak God if that's the way it is. But what it is, is us misunderstanding and allocating certain things to the will of God that actually are not the will of God in the first place. Now, it's, it's such an important thing for every one of us we know and being able to find the will of God for our lives and the purpose of God. I love this in Influence in New York. The prophet says, we mustn't try to impersonate anyone. Just be what you are, see, and that's the way God made you. You never fashioned yourself. And remember, as much as we ministers would like to take Billy Graham's place, uh, we cannot do it. Neither can Billy Graham take our place. See, we, each one, has something to do. The common little fella here that may be a janitor, the little woman that may be a housewife, the greatest minister on the face of the earth could not take your place. You had God, now notice you, God has a purpose in making you what you are. It's not you that done it. It's not I that chose. It's not Brother Branham that chose. But notice how he says this, that God had a purpose in making you what you are. And you just serve God in that way that he made you. See, and I think if we would just do that, the wheels would roll a lot easier. Yes, it would. If we would do that, not get lifted up, and we find out. Now notice this, if we find what God has made us, whether it's big or little, forget that. Paul said, they that compare themselves among themselves are not wise. Now, I want you to think this morning we'll parallel it to the body because Paul does the same thing in 1 Corinthians 12. And he took the feet, he took the eyes, he took the hand, he took the hearing, and he likened that to the body, the mystical body of the Lord Jesus. And he said, and he gave it in an impossible a paraphrase of the way that he made it. What if the hand would say to the eye, or the foot would say to the hand. Now we know a foot can't talk and an eye can't talk, but it was a euphemism that he was using to show them a spiritual symbol. So if we would take the parts of our body and we would think today about our feet. And I want you to imagine now, uh, the Bible says beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel. I don't understand that exactly, but that's what the Bible says. 
I ain't never seen a preacher with beautiful feet. But when you think about it, what are our feet? How would we judge what makes a beautiful foot? Now what would determine a beautiful foot? So the foot, think of your body, that your foot, most of your feet, given to you by God, yet they carry the weight of the rest of your body. They don't have eyes in the toes where they can watch where they're going. So you, with your eyes, will look away from where you're going, and then you will walk directly into something and stump your toe. It was not your toe's fault, but it was your fault not paying any attention to where you were going. Now, we've all done that, have we not? And now, what if the foot would say to the eye, I've got a problem with you. How many times you have caused me to be beat up, banged up, I've got bruises on me because of you. Do you not love me? Now, I don't know how to walk on my hands. I imagine I could learn. But wouldn't you think I would look strange? I would be upside down. Now, the way God made my eyes to focus, my eyes are not made for me to walk on my hands. Is that right? Now, how would the world look to me? Totally upside down. So you find members of the body of Christ whenever they go to try to take the feet place when actually there's something else, they turn the entire body, whether it's an age or a group or a local assembly or a family, they turn the entire body upside down by trying to walk. Don't worry, I'm not gonna show you the example of me walking on my hands. But people, no doubt, can do it, and we've seen people in circuses and whatever that can be able to do it, but that's not the way God made us. But God made us to be able to walk on our feet and be able to put all the weight of our body. Yet our feet are probably some, one of the most unappreciated parts of our body. We put shoes on our feet, we put socks on our feet, we put all of our weight on our feet. Uh, It's not your hands that swell up at the end of the day because all of your weight has been on your hands, but because of your feet. And yet God designed the feet in such a way that they are a very humble member. They're not a member that we really think about in lavishing them. No one really knows you by your feet. Most of us are not known by our feet. We are known by our facial features. Is that right? But if you were to lose just one of your feet, it would make you realize how important your feet really are. Now, it's the same way in the body of God that when God places us as members, in particular in the body, that there will always be those who will have less glory, they will have less honor than others, but are they important? They are. Now when you look at the face and you look at the facial features of the nose, the expression of the smile, of the frown and so on, most of us are not even known by our hands. We are not known by our elbows. We are not known by our knees. We are known by what? Our face. And our face is something that identifies us with everyone who personally knows us. And they will look at our face and say, that looks like so-and-so. I recognize him. Well, what did he do? Put up his elbows so you could see him? Did he put up his fingers so you'd see him? 
Most of us would never know one by a finger unless it was twisted, contorted, strained somehow. So we are identified by the face. So the majority of the glory of humanity will go where? Upon the face. And then it tends to be the same way in the body. Now there are those, of course, in our ranks, and they believe that the eyes, being the prophetic part of the body, are the absolute most important part, and basically everybody else can just kind of, you know, fall out of this picture, and we don't really need them. But that is neither true according to Scripture, nor true according to the message. A man that would pastor five people is no smaller than a man that will pastor 5,000. A man that will sing a song and be a blessing maybe to 50 is no less of a man or a singer than a person who would be gifted to sing to 5,000 and bless 4,500 out of the 5,000. But it's the way that we as humans look at it and measure. This big church, big preacher, big name preacher. Would somebody please explain to me what that means? I've heard it for years since I've been in the message. Big name preacher. I've not found it in Webster. I've not found it actually where Brother Branham defined it, but I've heard a lot of message people use it. So what does that actually mean? Does that mean he has more letters in his last name? That makes him a big name preacher? Or because that he's gifted above others to preach more meaning, what is it that defines it? And a lot of times you find that terminology being used out of a jealous heart. Just to be honest, it's out of a jealous heart. If someone would be able to recognize their position as being no more than the foot, and they bear a lot of the load, and they bear a lot of the weight of the body, or of the family, the local assembly, and yet they're praised very little. How many of y'all ever thanked your feet for carrying you around today? Ah, oh. wow, nobody. Nobody's ever thanked your feet. My goodness. So have you ever thanked your kidneys, your gallbladder, the parts of your body that most of us have never seen and never will? But what do we spend so much time on? Right here. Isn't it so? Now the purpose of God knew that there would always be people that would exceed and excel in glory. Notice, but in the purpose of God are also people that would live a very short span on this earth. Yet their life would still serve in the eternal purpose of God though they might not live to be over a month old or six months old or 18. Let me quote to you from a funeral sermon that was preached in Camelsville, Kentucky. It was of a young man by the name of Garnet Peaks. Garnet Peaks was a little insignificant Kentucky boy, 18 years old when he was taken stricken by polio, placed in an iron lung, called of God, quickened of God to receive the Holy Ghost. Yet people would look at him and think, what a short-lived life, never accomplished anything. 
But that's not the way God looked at it. Watch the prophet said, God sometimes will train men for years to get a few days of service out of him. Train men for years and get a few days. Now, that does not equate to us at all, Brother Tim. We think God would train a man for years and get a few days. Think about it. John the Baptist was molded, shaped, Oh my, what that man went through for years and years and years for six months of ministry. Six months of ministry. Watch it, John the Baptist was 30 years by himself in the wilderness for six months of service. Jesus Christ, 30 years old for three years of service for the crucifixion. God trains men, brings them up, It's his purpose. Time is with man. Eternity is with God. I believe that God brought this little boy here on earth for a purpose. And if you notice right in the time of his sickness and things, this struck him for a purpose. God could have made the boy sound and well, but what did he do instead of taking his life? He let him just get up to where he wasn't going to die, and neither did polio kill him. He did not die by polio, nor no other disease killed him that we prayed over he and I, and the rest of the Christians around Camelsville that prayed for him, it never, that never did it. It was Garnet's time to go. He must, he had served his purpose he come to Christ, been germatized. What if he would have died before his time? Polio drove him to God. Now, when you look at that, you say, my goodness, an 18-year-old boy that wanted to be, now he lived in tobacco country, and what Garnet wanted to be was a tobacco auctioneer. But what Garnet wanted Garnet to be was not the same thing God wanted Garnet to be. God wanted Garnet to be a Christian, dramatized by the Holy Ghost, so he would be able to be with the Father in eternity. Now notice, Brother Ram says this, he was to be a tobacco auctioneer. What he had in his mind, that wasn't his purpose at all. We knew that. His purpose was to be a Christian. Now, a tobacco auctioneer, somebody said maybe 75 years from today if the world would stand that long, Garnet, he was a great auctioneer. Maybe that's all the minister could have said at his funeral. But how God crowned this boy's life that Elijah was able to preach his funeral. Not just a minister be able to stand up and say, well, Garnet was a fine old gentleman. Garnet was one of the greatest tobacco auctioneers here in this part of Kentucky. I'll tell you one thing, he had this reward and this and this and that and the other, but my, how God give this young man an honor that not only did God allow Elijah to go pray with him. Now this little humble home, Brother Charlie Cox told me about it, I won't go go into the detail with you, but it's just a very humble, poor people. And yet Brother Branham went there several times to visit this young man. And God allowed Elijah to preach his funeral. That'd be quite an honor for anybody. 
Notice this. He says, maybe that's all the minister could have said at his funeral. He was a great auctioneer. But what can we say today? He's a Christian as an auctioneer without the germ of life, just a memory of that generation. He'd be gone among, among a few men, but he'll all think of this. Now he's amongst the immortals. He's got to come forth in the resurrection. There's no way to keep it from it. He has to come. He has served God's purpose. He was germatized with the Holy Spirit of God of eternal life laid within the boy. In so much that he said, if I don't know the last time I spoke to him, he said, if I knew I could be well and strong like these other boys, running up and down the roads here with roads and drinking and would know, oh my, think of this, friends, that I know this, I wouldn't swap this for 10,000 lives. Now watch, an 18-year-old boy that is fixing to die, he dies a few months after this meeting with Brother Brandon, and he brought it into value and perspective. And he tells him, if God, if I could have 10,000 lives and live and run up and down the road and do whatever I could do, I would still rather be where I am now, fixing to die as an 18-year-old young man. I'd rather be where I am right now than to have 10,000 worldly, sinful, ungodly lives. Can you imagine 10,000 lives and you're able to live 75 to 80 years apiece? You imagine how many lives that would be 75 to 80,000 years of immortal, 75 to 80,000 years of smoking and drinking and committing adultery and running around. And here is a boy who has been quickened by eternal life to such a perspective that he would say, I would take my 18 years over 80,000 years of sinful living. Yep, he had the Holy Ghost, all right. (laughs) I'll tell you one thing, when we get quickened by the Holy Ghost, it puts everything about life in its true perspective. People without the Holy Ghost do not understand life. They can never understand the full scope of the purpose of life, but when anybody does, they can look at life, though they may live off of meager fares, we would say. They may struggle to pay their bills. They may never amount to nothing as far as the world looks at them, but once they have come in contact with the person of eternal life, they know what living is all about. And may I remind you today, it's not just about how many new cars you have, how many acres that you own, or how many homes that you own. It is knowing the person of eternal life, which is Jesus Christ. Oh my. Thank you, Lord. Notice he said a young 18-year-old boy, fine, handsome-looking young man would probably have been a regular target for the devil. But God had to throw him in that stage to get out of him to serve the purpose. So God had to throw him. Look at his, watch this now, one of the attributes of this polio. Look at his patience. So we're not looking for his auctioneer rewards and money and credibility and big name, but we're looking at what? Something godly. Patience being in an iron lung. That would teach you something, wouldn't it? 
I wonder if Brother Eugene Kennedy laying on his bed, coming out here and sitting in the parking lot when he's able to come and sit, and sit there in the vehicle in the wintertime and crank it and heat it up and then shut it off. Sit out there in the summertime because you don't have the strength to come in the house of God. And then folks have got their limbs. They've got their strength. And they said it at home, shame on you. That man's life will condemn many people at the day of judgment. Notice the prophet's perspective so different than others. Look at his patience. His testimonies among you neighbors. Look what he was. How this little life has spoke to many of you. He wasn't a preacher. It wasn't like he said, I laid my hands on the sick and I cast out devils and I've done that. No, his testimony had nothing to do with that. His testimony had to do with trusting the Lord Jesus in the midst of such a shameful, humiliating affliction as polio. To be hours on end in an iron lung or you could not survive with any of us. Look at that and think what a glorious life to bear witness to the testimony of Jesus Christ. No, because we think in Laodicean terms. How much money you got in your bank account? How big's your house? How many cars you got? How many boats you got? How many yachts you got? How much this, that, and the other? And that's the way we count the blessing. You're, you're really blind, Laodicean, for him. That's Laodicea. That's the way they look at it. But can you imagine God being able to bring a man, a young man, to such a place, and he still maintained his testimony of trusting the Lord, and a month or so before passing away, making such a resounding statement to the prophet that if he could live all of those years in sin, he would rather have this life in an iron lung. Live 18 years old, never be able to have a wife, never be able to have children, never be able to even get up and go to church. But I would choose this over years and years and years and years of sin and debauchery and filth. I would choose this. You see, this is an individual who has found their purpose. Notice this, he said, I wouldn't swap this for 10,000 lives like that. But God had to throw him in that stage to get out of him to serve the purpose. Look at his patience, his testimonies among you neighbors. Look what he was, what, how this little life spoke to many of you that at the day of judgment, without that, his life will testify right back against you. Not Brother Branham. Not Brother Branham testifying against the local people in Camelsville. Garnet Peaks. This is why God saves you and leaves you in your vocation. God calls you young people, leaves you in your vocation. Why? He needs a living word out there at ETSU. He needs a living word and, and doing the type of work or whatever it is. So your life is the word expressed. Not in preacher form, but in lay form. Amen. God reflecting his purpose in such humility and simplicity would most of us by choice choose this type of life. God said to you before the world began, I want you to live down on earth and I, I want to use you. 
I want to use you for a purpose. What would we have chosen? Great singer, great preacher, great this, great that. Or garnet peak spot in life. Now you're here as my attribute and you're going down to the earth and I must smite you. I must allow the enemy. I will pull back my hand and you will be crippled. You won't be able to breathe right. You won't be able to walk. You'll have some paralysis in your hands. You'll never know why. You'll never even have very many friends. You'll never be able to kick a ball around. You'll never be able to go hunting. You'll never be able to go on a hike. Is there anybody here that wants to fulfill that spot? Garnet Peaks would have because he embraced his purpose in time. Is there anybody in Happy Valley or those visiting with us today if God says I need somebody that can be ridiculed, criticized, somebody that the world will make fun of? Is there anybody willing? A few of you. What the rest of you want? $100 bills? $10,000, want everybody to love you and care for you? No, you know better than that. You see, Satan, no matter how much, he hates us. And let me just remind him, those feelings are mutual. No matter how much he despises us and the plan of God, he cannot take us until that purpose is done. Notice this in this sermon that I quoted to you from last Sunday. Satan could not take them. He could not drown Noah in the flood until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not burn up the Hebrew children until the purpose of God had been finished. He could not kill Job with boils and troubles until the purpose of God had been finished. Neither could the lions eat Daniel. Mama. Until God's purpose had been finished, neither could death and old age take Abraham until the purpose of God had been finished. Or bring her on down, Brother Branham. And neither can it take you or can it take me until the purpose of God of our life is finished so we gather from their consolation. Oh, but Brother Donnie, the doctors give me a bad report. Well, we're going to pray for you. Don't think that I'm reading this in such a way that we are not concerned. We are. But let me remind you, brother, sister, whoever you are, Satan cannot take your life from this earth until the divine purpose of God has not just been started or run halfway through, but until it is finished. You will say, not in the same scope, but you will be able to say, as our Lord Jesus did, it is finished. As long as God's got a purpose for my life, I'm going to do it, aren't you? I'm going to be like old Uncle Buddy Robinson. He said he's going to chomp on the devil till he lost his teeth, and then he'd dumb him to death. That's right. I want to fight as long as I'm here. I want to serve you, Brother Tim, as long as I'm here. I'm going to do everything I can to the purpose of God, and I'm going to constantly torment the devil and remind him he cannot take me under God is done. Let me read this to you again. I read it to you last Sunday, but why does God let troubles come? 
God harnesses trouble, puts bits in its mouth and makes it obey him. Praise God. And those troubles bring us into a closer fellowship with God. How many can say amen to that by experience? There has been no rainbow until the flood came. But after Noah was pressed into that condition, notice the blessing came after the trial. The miracle comes after the diagnosis. The healing comes after the pain. Oh my, the deliverance of the oppression and whatever you're going through comes after Satan tries to affect you. Look at the divine order of God. It's after we go through these tests and trials that God comes on the scene and manifests himself. I know, friend, we're getting more and more prayer requests. It seems like they're getting greater and greater as the weeks go by, but it all depends on how we look at it. When I hear those prayer requests identify them as being this they are opportunities of faith they are opportunities by which our God can come on the scene and heal the sick and turn a tumor right around and take the life out of that thing is that right or we can be so negative and so my it's getting so bad it's getting so bad I don't know what I'm going to do I'll tell you what I'm going to do I'm going to keep on believing him I'm going to keep on trusting him because that's who I am I I am a believer. I don't believe just in good times. I don't believe just when things are going well. I believe when times are bad. I believe when times aren't going so good. I believe in when I'm sick. I believe in when I'm well. I believe in when I'm up. I believe in when I'm down. I believe in when things is going good. I believe in when things ain't going so good because that's who I am. That's who you are. We are believers. What believers do, believe. Oh my, it was after the flood was over that he saw the rainbow for its first time. The covenant of hope, the covenant of promise. It went through the tribulation. Then he saw the promise. That's the way you see the promise after you've gone through the tribulation. We ask for comfort and peace. God gives us the best he could give us. Trials and tribulations. Praise God. That's better than comfort and peace. Anybody else here beside me need help with that? I know some of y'all are going to try to use child psychology on God, but don't. It won't, it won't work on it. He's saying, well, if I ask for comfort and peace and he gave me troubles and trials, if I ask for troubles and trials, he'll give you troubles and trials. <laughs> Why? Because that's what we need. Oh, my. Notice this. It wasn't until the Hebrew children was forced into the fiery furnace. One of their most outstanding trials, they seen the one like the Son of God standing among them. Their troubles... Oh, glory. Produced the Son of God. Their troubles. Their troubles. But yet Satan wants to twist that around in our mind as if though our troubles mean he's not around. Your troubles will produce him if you'll let him. 
Oh my, their troubles produce the Son of God standing among them in the breezes to wave away the heat wave. But not until, oh my, not until they went into the fire did the comforter appear. Isn't that amazing? The comforter didn't appear when they were accused. The comforter didn't appear before the judge. The comforter didn't appear before the king. But the comforter appeared when they got in the midst of the fire. Praise the Lord. It was Daniel who had purposed in his heart he had not defiled himself with the things of the world and was forced through a trial. Oh my. Whatever he'd pray to God or go to a lion's den, it was after the heat was put on, he was thrown into a lion's den, that after he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the midst of them, my brother, sister, don't you see that's the way God does things? It's after we're put to such a trial, that's when we see the mighty manifestation. Look at the miracles and things that we've seen our God do among us. Would he have ever done them if there hadn't been a need for a miracle? There must be a need for a miracle before a miracle will transpire. God don't just throw miracles around God don't just do things to be doing them. He does it when there is a need. Oh, you say, I need one. Then you have an opportunity in your life that after your need is there, Papa can come and move. Oh my, it was Abraham actually had seen the ground get barren and the drought come. And Lot separate himself and go down to live deliciously into the world. It was after he heard the whines and the cries of the herdsmen with no grass. Oh my. For his cattle, but he maintained in the land that God had given and told him his sojourn. It was on that day after he'd been tried, his patience was at the end. It was on the day, that day, that when after the trial was over, he spoke face to face with Elohim under the oak that day. When? After the trial. Oh, let's jump down here to this next one. Oh, if the church today could only wake itself to find that after the troubles and trials and lives and made fun of, the things the church has been through, the Pentecostal church, that we see God in our midst doing great signs and wonders. Now listen, this may not apply to nobody, but just to me, but I'm gonna go ahead and read it just in case Brother Tim might need it. Now he's talking about the reason God gives trials. There was too much of you in you. Wow. Isn't that a peculiar statement? Too much of you in you. So that shows me that there's a way then that there can be less of me. It's not like that you're born in this state and you cannot change. No, not if he's using adjectives like this. Too much of you in you. Well, if there's no way for me to ever get changed out of that, it would be a waste of time to say such a statement. There was too much of you in you to God had to squeeze it out through trials. It what? You. So God has to allow trials to come and tests to come in order to squeeze you out of you. So you can be a better mama, a better daddy, a better preacher, a better deacon. Is that right? Why? Because you've got too much of you in you. And then God goes to putting the pressure on. My, allowing the pressure to build up in your life. And what does you do? You get scared and leaves. You, oh my, you, oh, I can't take it no more. I can't take it no more. Let go of that old coward. 
Friend, in all reality, why in the world do we give the devil the time of day? My, 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 I don't know how many that I've heard even the last week. Just tell me the devil told me this and the devil told me I was gonna die and the devil told me I had this and the devil told me I had cancer. Why in the world would God use his arch enemy to tell you anything? Why would God use the devil to tell you you're lost? That don't even make any sense. Why would God tell the devil to tell you there's no hope for you? Why would God tell the devil to tell you that you're gonna die, you're gonna this? If God wants to say something to me, I am a son. And God can speak to me directly or God can speak to me by a son or daughter of God. I ain't gonna listen to that lying devil. And you should not listen to that devil. Why would God tell the devil you're gonna die? If God's gonna let him take me from this earth, he owes it to me. God owes me the obligation. The prophet tells him, warning the judgment before God calls a man from the earth, he's gonna let that man know it. So and he ain't gonna send no lying, cheating, stealing devil to tell me. It would be beneath his dignity to use a devil to tell me anything. Whew. Oh my, while that squeezing was coming on, it's hard. But after a while, the skies clear back and you see the purpose of God. Man, around here, Brother Tim, this week we have had rain after rain after rain after rain. Me and Carol got up this morning and out our back window in our bathroom, we got a, a deck out there and it's, it's a big window where you can see out. First thing to come out of Carol's mouth when she come through there, the sun is shining. The sun is shining. I know we need rain. I know we need cloudy days. We have to have it. But after a while, day after day, and it's gray and gloomy, I get tired of it, don't you? I do. I get tired of it. I want to see some sunshine. I know, I know, I know the sun is on the other side of the clouds. I understand all that. But I don't want to just know it's on the other side. I want to see it on this side. I want to know that the sun is shining. It's the same way with trials in our life. We go through this and that and the other thing. Lord, where are you? Have you forgotten my name? Have you forgotten my address? No, he knows exactly where you are. But when will he come? When did the sun come out? Whenever this high pressure will be able to move in and keep the clouds from forming. My, my, I'm glad for it, aren't you? When the spirit of God begins to move upon you and he lets a spiritual high pressure system move over your life and the clouds dissipate and the clouds cannot actually form the same way they do under a low pressure system. Boy, being a child of God, I get under them a low pressure system sometimes and they can be so dark and so gloomy but how happy I am when I'm able to look out one bright sunny morning and say, praise God, by his stripes I am healed. He is my deliverer, he is my king, he is my El Shaddai, he is everything. What happens after the clouds? I present you a beautiful Sunday morning. Oh my, after a while the skies clear back and you see the purpose of God. Notice now. Then you cry. I know my Redeemer lives. And at the last days, he'll stand on the earth. And though the skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. These little trials and things are just for a moment. And then they fade and pass away. But you know as well as I know, that's in God's time, in our time. It can be months, it can be years. And we think, will this ever pass? 
will this ever go from me? Oh my. But they're only done for your good. Let us remember that, that God would get glory. He made us for a purpose. Therefore, there is a purpose of all of us being here. And you're not here just to be another human being. You are here because that God made you for some purpose. You're not here just to eat the food that God grows. You're not here just to live in the house the man made or wear the clothing that someone fashioned. You are here for a specific purpose. Brother Don, I've, I've never done nothing. I've never amounted to nothing. Yeah, he knew some of you would say that. God did. That's why I know his prophet to say this in the adoption. Well, many of these little pretty-faced mothers sitting here, some of them 60, 70 years old, would say, well, what have I done, Brother Branham? You've raised your children. You've done what you were supposed to do. Maybe some old dad sitting here saying, I've hired the fields. I've done this. I've never preached. But you did just what God sent for you to do. There's a place for you. A place for you. Three kinds of believers. Nobody can take your place. No matter how little. You sound just a housewife. Nobody can take your place. God in his great economy has so said in the body of Christ in order there's no one that can take your place. I would like to take Billy Graham's place. Any of us ministers, but we can't do it. But remember, Billy can't take our place. See, we all have a place. Some of us are evangelists, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors. And oh, by the way, he meant for them to preach too. Some housewives, some mechanics, some farmers, whatever it is, God has set you in your place. Oh my, what is the words of God? Each man is called and placed into the church for a purpose. And if you'll find out what God can use him best at, yield himself to that place, he will be a success. You see, preachers that desire to be this or that or the other, and they think, man, I wish I could be like Brother Darrell. I wish I could travel here and there and there and preach here and there and everybody know me. If you're not called to be such, you will make a mess out of it. What if you're called to be a preacher that fills in for the pastor every now and then? Or called to be a preacher that'll fill in for this pastor or that pastor and preach three or four times a month? And that's the capacity that God gives. But some can never be satisfied. A singer that's called on every now and then, some can never be satisfied. They want to sing every service. And their gift is not that way to bless everybody every service. Well, come on, saints. But some that are called to do such, if we can find that and just say, Lord, make me that way. Help me to be satisfied. If you made me to be a little toenail, a little fingernail, help me to be so happy. I've got to be honest this morning. Excuse me while I talk to my fingernail. I'm sorry, little buddy. Poor little feller. I don't never thank, thank you for covering the end of my finger. And I really don't even really think about how important you are. I cut you before I come to church this morning so I can play the guitar. And I don't really never thank you. But the few times that I have hit my finger, my nail with the, the wrong nail, and it turned real blue and got spotted, and I knew I was going to lose it. And it got so sore. And then it finally fell off, and it, my finger was so sensitive. Y'all have been there. You know what I'm talking about. It was, oh, what, what made me appreciate that fingernail? Trouble the blood under it, 
losing it, hitting it. Oh, I babied that finger. Oh, my goodness. It had never got so loving in all its existence. It had never got so much tenderness and so much love. Oh, my. Oh, oh be careful. Oh, oh, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Why? Because it needed it. It needed it. But you see, there's some people of the frame of mind and they want to be that way 24-7. They want all that special attention and special affection. Oh my, they got to be babied over all the time. And if they don't get it, they don't feel like that they're important. No, you need an understanding. You need an understanding. Well, Brother Donnie, I've never been babied over, babied over. But when you need it, God will be sure that you get it. But you see, no real mature child of God needs that type of thing every day, every hour, every service. God is going to give us what we need when we need it because it's in the purpose of God for our lives. Oh, listen to this. My finger could never take the place of my ear. Now, wouldn't that look really weird? What if my thumb were to grow down here on the side of my head like this? Or what if I had a nose look like a thumb? It's amazing. No, 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 no. I would never want that. You would never go to a surgeon and say, sir, I have got this idea. I would like to take my thumb and attach it to my nose. But I want you to make it where I can do a little button in my pocket and it'll go. And it'd say, you wait right here. What size jacket do you wear? <laughs> Brother West will run into you where he works. <laughs> well, the doctor said, that is foolish. It is. It's just as spiritually foolish for us want to be something in the body of God that we're not called to be. We just stay where God put us. My, my. Oh, I just cringed when I heard it. Brother Tom had got his hand in a planer and, and lost the tip of one finger and lost part of another finger. Oh, my. I just, I just sent chills up and down my body and just think about the poor brother losing that of his hand. Why? God put that on there and God meant for it to be there. Will he miss it? I guarantee you he's going to miss it. It's the same way with you, brother, sister. Every one of you that God has placed in his body, whether it's at Happy Valley or Brother Tim's church, wherever God has placed you, you are important. You are important and no one can take your place. We're paralleling this with Rebecca. Look at Rebecca, what a great woman she was to be. One of the founding women of the patriarchal family of God. And no one could take Rebecca's place. Yet Rebecca could not be Sarah. And she could not be Hagar. And she could not be Mary. But God placed her positionally in the right time frame. And God gave her the ability as a 16-year-old girl by hearing the message of Eliezer to respond to this call. Why? This was her life and the purpose of God for her life. Sarah could not take that place. Her mother could not take that place. Nobody could take the place of Rebecca and nobody can take yours. Oh, praise God. Each member knows what it can do and all of them coordinating together makes the body move. If this church can only see that, if you can only see that it takes coordination, it takes coordination with all the body of Christ. 
all the body of Christ. So whether you're rich or poor, black, white, your race, your color, your size, that has nothing to do with it. It's you finding what God wants you to be and you purposing nothing in hell, nothing on earth, nothing in me, nothing in the strains of my family are gonna stop me from fulfilling the purpose of God. I'm brought on this earth for this purpose and nobody can take my place. I have value. I am important to the body of Jesus Christ. Can anybody say amen? I am important. Oh yeah, you say sure you are. Talk about me. I'm talking about you being able to recognize who you are. Let me read this to you, Melchizedek. Being eternal with him at the beginning. The eternal life that you had, his thought of what you was, only he wanted me to stand in the pulpit, say, and he wanted you to sit in the seat. Now, which two of those is going to get the most glory, as we would say? The man standing on the pulpit or those sitting in the pew? I've been sitting in this pulpit since we built this building here, 20 some years, 30 some years since I came over there. A lot of folks around the world know my name. <laughs> I'm not sure that's such an advantage sometimes. <laughs> a lot of them don't know yours, but they know your face. Yeah, they know your face by streaming. So which one do you figure then is gonna catch the most flack? You all sit here and amen what I preach. How come they don't make YouTube videos on you? You're amening it. You're shaking your head and agreeing with it, Jim Bab. How come somebody don't make no YouTube video about Jim Bab? Boy, I ought to get his hide. He sits right there and amens. I'm sorry, Donnie Ray. Phil Goose sits right there and smiles and David Johnson and sister so-and-so. And look at him. We're making individual videos on them people of Happy Valley. Of course not. So where's the main bulk of that going to be emptied? On these little narrow shoulders right here. Do I want it? Are you crazy? People want to be on TV? I've been on TV. Take my word for it. It ain't nice. <laughs> but every one of us are called for a purpose. Oh, yes, I'd love for people to know my name. I'd love to be. Just be what God made you. Sisters, get up and make your beds. Make your youngins and your husband pancakes or eggs or whatever it is they like for their breakfast and their lunch and their dinner and serve God. You say, but I've never done anything. Yes, you have. You're fulfilled of what God wanted you to be in this life. A mother, a godly mother, a godly father. Oh, but I've never raised a preacher. No, you might not. And none of your children might not be preachers, nor your grandchildren, but it might be one of your great-grandchildren that'll lead millions to God. And you were in that order of succession and nobody can bump you out of that spot. Oh, praise God. Notice in Romans 12, five and we'll close. So we being many are one body in Christ and every one members one of Another. You see, this is why Satan wants to pull us out of fellowship with the body. Because not only does the body need you, you need the body. 
Oh, I'm with you one in spirit. He didn't say it was one in spirit, but one in body. Oh, Brother Donnie, I don't come to church. You know, I don't do this and that and the other, but my, my pillar of fire is pulling. It's hard for me to feel it that, that way on the internet. Some of y'all come here and sit here and look at me like I don't know what, and you don't pull either, and you just sit there and nod and all that. But remember, old Fritz still needs Seacombs, especially the older Fritz is getting. You imagine old Fritz when Brother Branham told him to go after a skunk, and Brother Branham would have looked at him and... You imagine old Fritz and went after that skunk, don't you, Lance? Oh, old Fritz, he just sat there and said, is that all you can do? Because that's the only thing you can do, but Brother Branham said, get him, boy, get him, get him, boy, get him, boy. Old Fritz is going to say, I'm hating this, I don't want to do this at all, but I'm going to get him, I'm going to get him. Well, some of y'all tell you, church, he said, get him, Brother Donnie. Get that devil. Get that devil, Brother Donnie. Old Fritz needs to hear you. Old Fritz needs to see this every now and then. Get him, brother. Get him. Preach. Go ahead. We're behind you. For the body is not one member, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 14, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? Just because the foot says nobody loves me, I stink the worst of every part of that body. They pay the least amount of attention to me. They walk on me. They trample on me. They stump me and just grab me on occasion and forget about me. I get no recognition. No honor. So what do we do? We put pretty shoes on them ugly feet. They need all the help they can get. So we put shoes on them. We put socks on them. We dress them up. Well, then if the foot would say, I'm tired of being walked all over. (laughs) Literally, no pun intended. I'm sick of it. All I've known since you, you was a two-year-old boy. Here you almost are, 65 years old. You've walked all over me. You've walked all over me in Africa and South America and China and Asia, all over the United States. Don't you think I need a break? Yet your hands, every sermon you preach, your hands, your hands. Tired preacher's hands, he couldn't say a word. But wouldn't it be very odd and peculiar if I tried to make these movements with my feet? So I wonder how many feet in Happy Valley are tired of being feet. They want to be hands. Hands want to be eyes. And eyes want to be ears. But if we can just get where God has made us and just take, if he's given us a place of humility and designed us to be humble. So what will we grab a hold of, my precious brother, sister? The prophet said, whenever I get before him that day, I want to lay millions of trophies at his feet. Lay those trophies at his feet. Take those nail-scarred feet in my hands. 
You see, the Lord Jesus could have come with wings that he still desired, but he had feet. They pierced his hands and his feet. They will pierce the prophet, the eyes. They will pierce the tongues, Pentecost. They will pierce the intelligence. They will pierce all of it persecution-wise. We bear the shame, but we will bear the glory. In the resurrection, we will have new feet. In the resurrection, those of you who feel like you've never been anything, you will have a new body, eternal life living in that body as much as the greatest preacher that ever walked. I'm going to quote you something. Some folks ain't going to like it, and I'll probably get some kickback on it. But according to what Paul said in the book of Corinthians here, chapter 12, firstly was apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. Can you imagine Paul having the audacity to put apostles first? Well, that's the order of it, friends. But I want you to notice, even in the heavenly city, the foundations that are laid, they don't have on them the name of Brother Branham or Jeremiah or Ezekiel. Read your Bible. The names of the 12 apostles are laid in the foundation of the city. Why? An apostolic people walk in this apostolic city. And God placed what? Apostles first, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, governments, helps. And what did he put last? Speaking in tongues. But yet we think the vocal gifts, the three vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation, we think that's the greatest of all the gifts. It's not. It's the least. It's the least. But if that's what God uses you for, praise God. But don't think you're the most spiritual and you're the greatest. Remember, the Corinthians were having such a time with these gifts. They were even denying the apostles. They were even the divine, denying the need of prophets in their body. And Paul had to rearrange it and said, Whoa, you've got this way out of kelter. Apostles are not thrown in the trash. Apostles are first. Secondarily prophets. Teachers. Helps, governments, diversities of healings. That was the way God placed in the body. We need men, women, young boys, young girls, young sisters. We need teenagers. Look, if time goes on, look how many of our congregation are aging. Personal company excluded. Look, we don't want just to be a people that's dying. And not giving births. That's why I want our young people, Brother West, to feel a part of what we are doing now. Well, tomorrow, Brother Donnie, 30 years down the road, forget 30 years down the road. We want them to be filled with the Holy Ghost today. We want our young people to sing. We want them to be a part of the economy of God right now. They may not live to be 30 years old. These young men may not live to be 40 years old. They may not live another generation. This is your time. (laughs) 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, for some of you, your purpose has changed. Your husband's died. Your wife has died. Some of you have retired. So your purpose has changed. Don't think it's ended. You just need to transition from one position to another. Now, I'm at the retirement age, but you know what they say about preachers. They don't get to retire. They just put them out to pastor. So I don't reckon y'all would consider retirement for me. Can we have a vote on it this morning? So I'm saying y'all ain't even fair. Y'all retiring, you won't let me. Oh, children, how happy we could be. How happy we could be together if each of us can find our spot and just function. You see, being less than others, if you wish to use that word, does not mean you're not just as important. How many of your sisters know where the spare tire is in your car? One, two, three, four. My wife excluded. I knew that. <laughs> She's not even sure if it has one, are you, sweetie? <laughs> but is the spare important? Not very important, apparently. Most of y'all didn't worse even that. When is it important? When you need it. You see, no matter how weak, how small you may think you are, but when God gives you your moment of time to pray for someone, pray for Brother Darrell, pray for this one, that one, the other one, God may not wake me up to do it. He may wake you up. Brother Darrell may be going through one of the awfulest times in his life. You see, he's called me before, called me not long ago. He was out in a meeting preaching. He was laying in a motel room on the floor. His back was on the floor like this, and his legs was laying up on the bed this way. He was in so much pain, he couldn't even move. And he was crying. Call me for pain, for prayer, for pain, that God would help him. But the Lord might put that on your heart, or your heart, or your heart. I don't know why I feel so burdened for Brother Darrell. I don't know why I feel so burdened. He may have tried to reach me and couldn't get a hold of me or may have tried to reach Brother West or somebody else. But God wants you. And you might just burden, come on you, and all of a sudden you just feel so burdened for Brother Darrell or Brother Jack Benton or Brother West, whoever, whatever minister it would be. And God hears your prayer. And God sends an angel his way and delivers him. You just pray and the burden lifts you. There it went. I ain't never done nothing great for God. <laughs> Ask Brother Darrell about that. When God combined, delivered him of that pain, ask him if it was great. He went to service that night and preached because the child of God was able to touch God for him. Just be what God's made you. Forget about your name being called. Forget about being recognized. Just go ahead and walk around. Carry the load. Carry the weight. You're going to get tired? Yeah, you're going to get tired. My feet and legs get tired after I get done preaching. I guarantee you they do. But I'm so glad I've got them. I'm so glad I've got them. I'm so glad God's placed in the body people that he knew could be good feet. Now, that's not very uplifting, is it? Anybody here feel like a foot in church? (laughs) 
Isn't that something how we relate to it? We look at it as nothing rotten, no good. Well, let me ask you, how do you think you would miss them two feet if they were amputated? If sugar got in them or an accident and you were told you'll never be able to walk again or you'll have to get prosthesis in order to help you to move about, oh, how you wish you'd have your feet back. That's the way I feel about every member of the body of Happy Valley that God has placed among us. I miss those that still ain't able to come because of COVID and whatever more. I do. I miss them with all my heart. God gave every sheep that belongs to this place a special place in my heart. Even some that leave, I never get over it. Never. God just gives you that union. I think about those that have passed. Ain't a week goes by, I don't think about somebody. I'll see something that oh, that reminds me of Brother Junior Davis. Oh, that reminds me of Brother Homer Arnold. Oh, that, why? Because there's an eternal bond in our hearts. We're not just bound together here. We are bound together for eternity. Let's bow our heads together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. How many wants to find your place? Whatever it is. Big, little, small, unimportant. Don't really matter. Lord, if I'm a foot, if I'm a leg, if I'm a sinew, as it were, if I'm a very unnoticeable part in the body, Friends, whenever something moves on you and it's moving you away from the body, remember, why would God spiritually amputate you from the body that you get nutrients from? Why would God move on your heart to take a knife and cut your wrist or cut your arm off or cut your hand off because it's ugly or whatever more? It's crazy. It's the same way spiritually. We need one another. We need one another how many wants it more real to your heart as an individual God bless you how many say brother Donnie I think I need to see it greater I think I need to see it greater myself that I need the body and the body needs me heavenly father I know we've not walked down great deep mysteries today we've not tread down the avenues of God that have been so astounding. It's been just regular, everyday stuff where we live. But yet, Father, if we could take these simple things and apply them to our lives, how much better we all would be. It's heartbreaking, Father, to see competition among the body. We see it among preachers. We see it among musicians and singers. We see it, it's, it's pitiful, Lord. Help us, I pray, to find what you want us to be. Lord, if you, if you place me to be a foot, as it were, in the body, this bride move, to be stomped on, kicked, hit. All of us have had our toes walked on before but it's because they're the closest to the earth. Most of us don't have our hands walked on because our hands are above our feet. We've never had our nose walked on, our ears walked on. 
But what's got walked on more than anything? Our feet. We stump our toes. We, we do all kinds of things, hurting our feet because they're the lowest to the ground, the most humble part of our body in the sense of touching the earth, feeling the gravitational pull, the weight of our entire body on our feet, our muscles and our legs and our feet, how they bear us all these years. Lord God, I pray you would help us, Father, that we as the people of God would realize you have people in your economy that might be so small that others would look at them and say, my, they don't never do nothing. That person might be a foot. They might be a foundation. And we know the feet signifies foundation. God, I thank you for the foundation people in our church. Lord, it's not just those that fly in and fly out. It's not just those that move in and move out. But Lord, it's those who you place in the body and there's the stability. They're the undercarriage, the underworking. Their prayers, their faithfulness. Thank you for them, Lord. I pray, God, you'd help each of us today that we can find our position and be so happy that we are in the economy of God. Minister to every one of us, Lord, preachers, deacons, trustees, singers, musicians, songwriters, whatever we are, not just here but around the world that will string this service. Lord, if there be preachers that will hear it, help them, Lord, not to get jealous. Help them, Lord, not to be envious of another man. But may we just find our little spot in life. Praise God. Lord, as I stood some years ago in Tanzania, and I met some of them brothers there that had went out and witnessed to the tribal people of Africa. Most Americans would never know their name. Probably most of us would never recognize them as big, great people. But there I met a pastor, and he was of an ancient tribe, and he wore no clothes before he got saved. They didn't know it was wrong. And their homes were not little shacks or tents, but they actually dig down in the ground in the cool of the sand and take timbers under the earth and build their homes in the earth. But there, Lord God, I met that brother that day and talked to him just a little bit, broken English, and I asked him, how, how did you hear about the word? And he pointed his finger over to another little brother that was standing there, and he said, he rode a bicycle into our village and told us about Jesus and led us to the message of the hour. Praise be to God. Thank you, Father, for our brothers like that around the world. Thank you, Lord, for our sisters around the world that pray for their husbands and they're willing to let them go and risk their lives. I met some of those brothers there that very day that went out among the headhunters. Some of these people may think that in the modern age that they're still not cannibals, but these brothers went among the headhunters and the cannibals and led them to the Lord Jesus and showed them there was a better way to live. Oh, what it'll be that day when we stand before you and men like that will stand up there, Lord. They'll probably never be great renowned men, no doubt, as far as preaching around the world and 
people in America inviting them to come preach conventions and so on. But oh, I want to be there standing near when they walk up before you. They might have been so poor in life they never even had a car. Lord God, but they've led souls to Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father. I want to be near, Lord, whenever they're called up. You'll be beholden to no man when you give them the reward. Praise God. Lord Jesus, just let me be there that day. I don't want no reward. I don't want nothing like that. I just want to be there to be part of your great economy. Oh, Jesus, may we lay aside our great big I am and this and I am that. May we just be humble people that love you and want to serve you. Oh, God. How many with me today would raise your hand and say, Lord, remember me. If you can use me for something, Lord, something little, something small. Can God wake you up at three in the morning? Maybe I'm going through a real hard time. How many of you be willing for God to wake you up for you to pray for me? Maybe a young man here in our church is feeling the pull toward the world, backsliding. Could God move on some of you daddies, some of you other young men to wake you up at three or four in the morning and put that young man on your heart? This is, this is the functionality, friends, of a body. It ain't just God speaking to the preacher. It ain't just God using the preacher. It's God using every member of the body, not like a preacher, but in their position that he's placed them to be. And they are so happy, so happy to be in that spot. Praise God. Oh, Jesus, use us, Lord. We don't have a lot that we could present you, Lord. We're not a great gifted people like a lot of folks are. But if you can take what little bit we have and use it, Lord. He was able to use a little boy's lunch one day. And look what it done. In his hands, it would feed him and maybe have a little afternoon lunch snack left over. But put in your hands, it was able to feed thousands. If we'll take our motive, our objective, our purpose of what we think it is, and we focus it around us, we might do a little something. But if we could turn it over into your great big loving hands, what you could do, Lord Jesus. Help us, I pray today, Father. Help me, Lord. I once was young, and now I'm old. Lord, if you let me live just a bit longer, I'll be 65. I'm not sure how much more I can do. But what I am, I give to you. I don't have as much strength as I did, but maybe I can take the wisdom that I've gained and it will make up for the lack of strength. Lord, no matter what we are, single, divorced, unmarried, a widow or a widower, we present our lives to you today, Lord Jesus. For a foot, a finger, an eye, an ear, whatever it would be, Father. Oh, God. No doubt some of these singers 
They hear Brother Tim get up and it's easy to see our brother so anointed, not only to preach, but so anointed to sing. No doubt other singers would say, man, I wish I could move people like that. I wish I could bless people like that. But Father, there's only one Brother Timberdale. You called him to be that way, special. We thank you for him, Lord. Rest of us can't be like that, but maybe we can just be what you made us to be. Would you grant it, Lord? Can we just raise our hands and tell him, Lord, I surrender what I am. What I give you may even be less than the little boy's lunch, but I give it to you with all of my heart. Maybe some of you feel like you've so messed up your life and ruined your life, you have nothing left. Well, my Jesus specializings in taking remnants and taking the offcasts and things that other people wouldn't even want to get their hands dirty with. And the Lord Jesus takes that and does great things with it. But Brother Donnie, I've so messed up. I've messed up this, I've messed up that. Well, there ain't no place better you could bring it than to the Lord Jesus. Just see what he can do with it. I don't know. I don't know. But just bring it to him. Lay it at his feet and say, Lord, you see what I've done with this. But I want to give it to you. If you can use me somehow, use me. Maybe a foot in the church. Someone that'll pray. Someone that'll be burdened. Someone, the Lord, that can stand by Brother Donnie and just help him. He may never refer to me publicly. may never mention my name, but he knows he don't have to. God, let me stand with that man of God. Lord, let me do something. Surely there's a work that you can do for me, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. We worship you, Lord Jesus. Well, Joel, can we sing, Jesus, use me? Let's sing this together today. May it not be just a song, but may it be a prayer from our hearts. Oh, Lord Jesus. Jesus, 
I want what you want for me, dear Lord. Whatever, wherever He may be,
words now. Saints, love you and appreciate you so much. Look what an addition Brother Timberdale made in his service today. Isn't it amazing just someone come in on their way, going wherever they are, and they come and make such a difference in the service. Well, I said, wow, I wish that was that way. You are. Every one of you. Now, you're not a brother Tim, as I said, and you don't get up and sing like him. But when I look out there and I see your faces and you're amen and you're praying for me, you realize that encourages me? That helps me? Oh, Fritz wants to keep on going after that skunk. Brother Mam said the worst skunk he knew was the devil. We need to get him, don't we? 
God bless you. You think, well, my amens don't mean nothing. You ain't me. How can you speak for me? How can you say, well, me raising my hand, what difference does that mean? That don't mean nothing to you. How do you know that? The devil's lying to you. I don't mean nothing, Brother Darrell. It does. It means something to Brother Joel, these brothers, Brother Aaron, Brother Harvey, whenever he leads the singing, to see you clapping your hands and singing, it helps them. They want to sing more, right? You're a blessing. We're a body. God bless you. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, it's been so good to be together today. Thank you for it. Father, I pray you'd go with us, Lord. May we ponder on these things. May we ruminate on them. Think about it, Lord. More than likely, many of these people already know what they're called to be. They just need some honing, as it were, some fine-tuning to the adjustments of their life. All of us are facing this battle of time. It's a great bondage that we live in, a bondage of time. It seems like there's never enough time to do all the things we need and want to do. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us wisdom to know how to allocate the time that you've given to us, that we can use it wisely. The prophet said he had never stole anything in his life as far as he knew, but he had stole time. I wonder of each of us here today if we steal time. Help us, Lord, with what we have. Thank you, Lord. Brother Tim coming by and being with us today. We love our brother so much, so appreciate him. Any other visitors that's been here with us, thank you for it. Pray that you'd watch over everyone, Lord. Take them home safely, some out attending youth services and all that. Bring them back home safely, Lord, till we return again in your presence, we ask. In the name of the Lord Jesus and the saints said, Amen. God bless you. Bless you, Brother Joel. I love you in the Lord. You're dismissed. Take up your cross.